Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, Start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Hi, folks. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports and comedy and concerts and theater, all those events near you. Killer last minute deals at game time, all in prices, views from the seat, best price guaranteed. And that's the key. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets, which is the thing most people get anxious about. Game time eliminates it. Easy to find tickets for every kind of event in your area. They're obsessed with saving you money and me money on tickets. That's what game time does. It's the place to find last minute deals. The game time guarantees mean you always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section at a certain row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Pretty cool. Download the Game Time app. Like all apps, it takes 90 seconds. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Colin, me, C O L I N, $20 off your first purchase if you do it. Download the Game Time app. The code is Colin, 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Well, the extended Nick Wright session. So I was uh, thinking about you the other day that this is an interesting topic. You know how we both, I really like, I'm very much a windshield over a rear view mirror guy. I just, I just don't care about the old days. I just don't care. But I was thinking about, I love the NBA and this doesn't bother me, but I don't think it's great for their long-term viability or growth. Zion and Ja were going to be domestic stars, both due to immaturity, have fizzled. Now, Ja's hurt, Zion's hurt. And I do think, uh, you've done a little European travel, and my mom was European, and I've done a little bit. I do think their academies create more mature players at a younger age, higher skilled, more mature. They don't have an AAU circuit like us. They don't gas their players up. And I think it's very difficult. If I was 17, 18 and being told how great I was, I, it would affect me. And I watch the league now with um, Giannis and Jokic and, and Luka. And I mean, even to uh, SGA is Canadian. And, yeah. I, and I look at our domestic players and I'm not questioning their commitment or their excellence. But Steve Kerr has said this repeatedly. AAU basketball is not great for the ascension of young people. It's it's not collaborative. It's It's just about you and people gravy training you. And I look at the NBA right now, it doesn't bother me because I love 
bigs that can shoot, handle. I love watching Jokic play. I know it's ugly, but yep. I, I love it. But your thoughts um, in the crowded, uh, as we become more distracted on our phones and, well, and TikTok, and as, as, the, as the college football's growing, uh, soccer's bigger globally, where is NBA? Are you concerned at all about the NBA and the European growth and the domestic well, players shrinking? I don't, so uh, to me, these are almost separate. So right now, first team all NBA yeah. would be five international guys. Right. It'd be Luka and Shea as the guards. Yeah. And Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid as your bigs. Yeah. That would be that. And right now, that would be your first team all NBA. That would be your top five, probably MVP ballot. Tyrese Halliburton yeah. would probably be ne next up. And right because of what's happened with Ja, I I don't know who somebody's this wasn't my initial idea. The I I read a tweet or heard a podcast. Sometimes I I, I get a little self-conscious sometimes. Like I don't want to take someone's idea, sure. but I also consume so much stuff. Like Same. I don't know where I first Same. heard it. Like yeah. and so somebody posited the idea is Anthony Davis the best American player? And the and I stopped and I was at first I'm like no and then I thought about it and I'm like defensively yes <laughs> well like is it and is it between he and Tatum yes yes and if that's right and if that's where we're at that is a problem that's not an indict I'm not those are those guys are great players but nobody thinks either one of them is in the discussion for best player in the league right. and so and if we were to talk about the if we were to make a list of the eight best international players and the eight best American players, the other problem would be this three of the eight Americans, maybe four of the eight Americans. Now I think about it are old guys, Steph, LeBron, KD and Jimmy Butler. Those are you know what I mean? Jimmy's the yep. youngest of the group. And so that is. It's not like the NBA is not going to have enough talent because it is such an international game and you're getting more and more guys from overseas. But like the you the, there is a I think. Oh, and by the way, when we're talking about the best American players, the guy I left out who's ascending there and would be the hope because of his age is Anthony Edwards. Yes. Like could Anthony Edwards get there where we're talking about? But from a pure strategic or popularity standpoint. I don't think it's great for the league if all of the I think it's really good for the league if some of the best players are international players. I don't think it's great for the league if all of the best players yeah. are international players. And so and obviously people believe Wimby is going to be on that track. Now he's it, that's to me less about like the international game and more about the fact the guy's 7-5. You know what I mean and has right. and is skilled. Um and so I don't know the answer as to why. I think AAU too often gets used as a boogeyman. You know, my my son played high, high-level amateur basketball. He had really good experiences with it. The kid who I think is a really nice role player for the Knicks, I've talked to you about this, Quentin Grimes. Yeah. He was my son's teammate one summer. Those practices were good. That was a good team. They were good kids. So I think sometimes AAU basketball gets a bad name. But there is something going on where the there is a different stylistic uh, you know approach to basketball from many of yes. I mean Shingoon 
is clearly like an international style of player. Now, he's not a star, but he might be an all-star this year. And so I don't know the answer. And it does also feel like Shea almost should count as an American. Like he's not, you know what I mean? He's from Canada. It's <laughs> like just Steve kind of Nash. bad luck. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I don't I don't know what the solution I don't know if there is a solution. I don't, I don't know what the answer to it is, but it's undeniable that it's trending in that direction. And it happened fast. Yeah. Twenty years ago, European player meant soft. And it was like, wow. No dirt. question. It, it, it was like Tony Kukoc. A hundred percent. And it was, and it was uh, basically, okay, aside from Akeem Olajuwon, uh, who, by the way, went to college in America, you know what I mean? The, yeah. the, it had an American experience. Aside from him, if your best player is an international guy, you got no shot whatsoever. And it it switched really fast. Really, really fast. I mean, 10 years ago, it was just Dirk and Akeem as far as the, like, no doubt, and, and, all-time legend. And Dirk was considered kind of a soft, offensive-only player. Yep, exactly right. And so it changed fast on us. And I don't – I also – there is – I'm not sure. that Somebody should, and maybe somebody has, and I just haven't read it. Either written, uh, this is like a Daryl Morey Sloan conference type of paper or maybe a yeah. book. Because the other thing is this. The international guys, again, aside from Shea, who's Canadian, but the European stars, they're all 6'8 or taller. Yeah, It's big, skilled guys. Yeah. You know, Luke is a guard, but he's big. We're not getting a bunch of like 6'2 wizards with the basketball from Europe. It's right. all like Giannis is this point forward and Bede. Jokic was such a unique player. So I don't know what it is, but it's clearly it's yeah. clearly happening. For good or for bad, it's happening. Yeah, and let's just acknowledge that 18 months from now, Wemby will be in that discussion. So it's, Absolutely. So it's, it's not stopping. So I was thinking about this, um, uh, and I, I want to continue on with the NBA. And I have said this, is that people show you who they are very early. Um, uh, I, you know, one of the things when I started the volume, I said, be careful about hire, hiring people that could be difficult to fire, meaning they, they're oh. temperamental, they, they are uh, grudge holding, they're petty, they're on Twitter for right. the wrong reasons. We'll try reasons. to burn you down yeah, said, on the way out the door. So we've had three or four people that we have discussed hiring, and I said, what if you had to let that person go? They didn't drive revenue, they were difficult. I said, you know, be, be careful about that. So people show you who they are very early and very early in Jason Tatum's career. I like him a lot. I don't love him. I like him a lot. But very early in his career, he showed you something that Michael never illustrated. Kobe didn't. Le LeBron didn't. D-Wade didn't. Is that he lacked confidence in big spots. You almost had to push him into taking shots is that in these big fourth quarter moments, his second, third, fourth year, we were all like, oh, love his body, can put it on the floor, good teammate, plays real defense, can kind of let Jalen Brown take control. Sometimes Marcus, Marcus Smart, Smart, let Marcus a defensive Smart turn, player. Yeah, turn into and the pseudo-alpha, yep. And I, and I watch the Celtics, and I still don't trust him years later. He is at least 60, 70%. It's his game. 
But there are moments still with Jason Tatum. This is never a Luka issue. It's not a Giannis issue. Um, no, and it's weird. I mean, this is spot on. Am I wrong? And then, by the way, and it's a weird thing to say because he had 50 in a game seven. We saw him have that amazing game Philly. six against Giannis a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's in there. We saw him as a rookie. Dunk on LeBron and seem fully confident. Peak 2018 LeBron. We've seen all these things. And Celtics fans will get very, you know, parochial and territorial and defensive. But I think deep down everybody knows that the the Celtics, it's not they can't win the title, but they have to win the title like the 04 Pistons, meaning it's got to be a collective effort. Yep. And that is the hardest title to win. The reason we always go to the 04 Pistons is because every other champion <laughs> from 1980 to now has had a top 20 all-time player. So it's not like an indictment to say Tatum's not that because it's only been like 16 guys in 40 years. To be the best player on a champion, the only other guy other than the 04 Pistons uh, you would say is Kawhi's championships, but he was a guy who was trending towards that and injuries kind of under, you know what I mean, undercut the player he was going to be. Every other team literally had a legend. Yeah. And I don't think anyone looks at Jason Tatum and says he's going to be a legend. That's right. We say his ceiling is MVP candidate. Yeah. All the other guys, the ceiling was how many MVPs. Okay. And that's the difference. Okay, so I threw this out last week. It's my favorite comp I think I've ever done in the last year. Wow. wow. Annie Murray, tennis player, Great Britain. So there's Feder is better than him. And he's like, okay. And then Feder's getting old. And then Feder's past his prime. And Andy Murray has this little window. Oh, crap. Here comes the Joker. And his right. window was about a year. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Tatum, LeBron, Steph, he just doesn't have that savvy, that game. It's like, oh, he's so close. And he gets a little window, finals against the Warriors, doesn't win. And here comes Jokic and Luka right. and Giannis. He's the Andy Murray of the NBA. That his window was a sliver. He was there at home. And the and and it's that close. And Federer and the margins are beat him close. in the final yeah. set. And, and then it's here comes just like, oh, okay, that that right, and that might be it, and that might, and so that's why I give the Celtics credit because they have built a team that, if healthy, is so well rounded and has so many top fifty players on it. You know, of today's game, you know what I mean? Like they, their their worst starter is still a really good player. Yes. You have Derek White, uh, Drew Holiday, Tatum Brown, and Porzingis. Excellent starting five. It's it's a great starting five. They are banking on that. Again, that's the 04 Pistons. The 04 Pistons, you have Rip Hamilton, you have Tayshaun Prince, you have Rasheed Wallace, you have Ben Wallace, you have Chauncey Billups. Yeah. Those are five excellent players, but no, nobody that is, oh, holy shit. Yeah. And that's where, and I think Tatum's probably right now better than any of those five guys yeah, so do in I. that moment. But that is, that's just the truth. Yeah. That's why the NBA is so unique. Like when I went, and I want to be, make it clear to the audience when I say 1980 to now, like, and I'll just do the like my own personal, like off the top of my head rankings. I did that list, the 50 best players the last 50 years. 
So Kareem to now. And if you go through the champions from 80 to now, you have the Lakers, who had Kareem and Magic, who are two and four. You had the Sixers, who had Dr. J and Moses, who are 12 and 13. You had the Celtics, who had Larry Bird, who's seven or eight. You had the Pistons, who had Isaiah, who's right around 15. And then you had the Bulls, who had MJ, the Rockets, who had Akeem, and then the Spurs, who have Tim Duncan, the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq, the 04 Pistons, and then you have the Heat, who have D. Wade, who's right on the fringes, but Shaq, who's firmly in it. The, obviously, then the Lakers again with just Kobe. And then, oh, the other team, you know what's funny? I left this out. The other team they're trying to be like is the 08 Celtics, who, again, they had Garnett, who is – Garnett's better than Tatum, but yeah. he was – you know, so but it's the same type of thing. So I shouldn't have left them out, but Garnett's on the fringes of it. And then since then, we know who it is. It's LeBron. It's Steph. It's Dirk, who's right there. Uh, it, it's Giannis. It's Jokic. It's Duran. It's Kawhi. And it's not an indict. And th this was why I didn't believe in the Nuggets. Because it was the same math. I just yeah. underrated Jokic. Right. It, my, the math was, okay, Jokic is really good. He's not a legend. And I was wrong. It's like, right. oh, shit. He's pretty legendary. He's pretty great. <laughs> um, and so um, I guess maybe it's self-fulfilling in that if the Celtics get there, we'll look at Tatum like that. But I don't think we will. If the Celtics get there, I think it'll be like, wow. That was, that was an awesome team they put together. And so it is why it's hard to – it's also why the Heat haven't gotten over the quite over the hump. Yeah. Because the Heat have tried the same thing. They've got an awesome player in Jimmy, an awesome starting five, a much better coach than Boston has, obviously. But it's so hard. Yeah. When you get in the finals for the Heat, when they've done it, you got in the finals, you got your team, all of it, and LeBron is sitting there. And even old-ass LeBron was like, ah, for two weeks, I can kick your ass. Then you get in the finals again, and Jokic is like, yeah, I can kick your ass too. It's just hard when that guy's on the other side. And for the Celtics, what's going to be the tough thing is this. And the NBA doesn't always come down to this, but man, it's hard to overcome in one series, much less three in a row. I would argue the Celtics, to win a title, are probably going to have to win Three consecutive series, the second round, the conference finals, and the finals, were the best player on the courts on the other team. Yep. That's Pretty fucking straight. hard, man. You know what I mean? Like, because Embiid or and Embiid in the playoffs isn't the same, but still, Giannis, if any of those guys, Jimmy Butler is proven in the playoffs. And then whoever you face off in the finals, that you might have the better two, three, four, five, but the best player is going to be on the other team. It's going to be hard. Can we, The I'm not trying to hijack your podcast, but can we talk about Philly for a second? The let's, Eagles. Let's, oh, you're not hijacking it. Philadelphia. The, the, I, so much I love about them, but I have a feeling Nick Sirianni is closer to the opening press conference than the Super Bowl. Okay. So, so here's, here's the thing there. So Wilds did an interesting thing on the TV show, which was, he made the point that if the Patriots fired Bill Belichick and then surveyed the, this was before Grable got fired and surveyed the landscape. They're like, okay, who's the best coach available? They'd land on Bill Belichick. The idea, you know what I mean? He said it was the same thing as the moment the Raiders cut Derek Carr. They're like, okay, we need a quarterback. Who should we sign? That someone would come to him and be like, well, here's this guy. And it'd be Derek Carr. That the guy you're getting rid of is the best available. So the opposite of that thought exercise is this. 
It's about to be, what, half a dozen job open, jobs open? If Nick Sirianni were fired, would anyone hire him to be their head coach? If the answer to that is no, then you have to ask yourself, should he be ours? <laughs> and I know that sounds harsh, and I know that sounds too much, but I would, I, I would remind people, in Philadelphia, Andy Reid, 14 years, five conference championship games, a Super Bowl appearance, uh, nine w- playoff appearances, eight double-digit win seasons, one bad year With gone. With B and C quarterbacks, mostly. Yes. One bad year gone. Replaced by Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, 10 and 6. 10 and 6. The next year, didn't make it to the end of year three after back-to-back 10-win seasons. Doug Peterson wins a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. The next year, wins a playoff game with a backup quarterback. The next year, makes the playoffs. The next year, a bad season, gone. So this idea that Sirianni's untouchable, Gary Kubiak, I looked it up today, was 46-18 and with the Broncos. Went to the division round four times, went to a Super Bowl, and they fired him. They were like, you know what? You're out of here. So if the Eagles lose six of seven down the stretch and the losses are the Niners by a million, when that game, I'm going to go through it because think about it. That Niners game, the Niners had three losses. The Eagles had one that would have locked up the one seed with six weeks to go. You'd be four games up with five games left. You, you know what I mean? The Niners would have then had four losses and the tiebreaker would have been to you. They get blown out. Okay, that sucks. The next week, they could have locked up the NFC East against Dallas. They would have swept Dallas. Dallas would have five losses. They get blown out. The next week, Drew Locke has the only relevant moment of his NFL career, 92 yards to win the game. You then, you know, escape against Tommy DeVito. Then Kyler drives the field on you, hanging 35. Yeah. And then Tyrod Taylor is up 24-0 at halftime on your starters. If then you lose to Baker, oh boy. Like, it is, it is rough, and there are real, real questions about what is this team right now, aside from a play that is likely going to be banned next year, what do you do well? And I don't know the answer. Hey, look, at I can argue it's become Brandon Staley. At the end with Brandon Staley, he argued, hey, we're losing close games. We're not getting blown out, his quote. Yeah. Then they got blown out. And it's like, okay. So Sirianni's like, hey, these are, these are go-either-way games. And then you fall behind 24 nothing to the Giants. So not that it was a mutiny, but with Staley and Nick, by the way, you know who the Eagles were going to hire if not Nick Sirianni? They liked Staley. Uh, so they were looking for a young voice. And so when you start going from narrow, narrow losses, there's two or three things that I always think about. You go from narrow, narrow losses, okay, to ugly losses. And then you ask yourself, would the Chargers at the end, Herbert before the injury had regressed? Jalen Hurts has regressed. There is nothing the Chargers or the Eagles do well now. There's nothing. Well, and so then the other problem is, it's like, well, let's not forget the year he just got last year out of Jalen Hurts. And then you ask yourself the really tough question of, you watch Indy this year? (laughs) And you watch what Shane Steichen was able to cobble together with Gardner Minshew, I understand the last play of the last game didn't go well, but they're a yard away from maybe being in the playoffs with that indie roster. 
And there's your big chess move was uh, demoting your D coordinator and uh, promoting Patricia, and now your defense is worse than it was. Your quarterback has regressed. You're not going to have more talent in the future. The best offensive line, seven first-round draft picks on your defensive line, two stud receivers. So I, and now, and folks, you know, I'll eight-mile myself here a bit. Folks think I don't like Sirianni because he told Chiefs fans to fuck off after they won that game. Right. That is not it. But that is a noteworthy moment. Yeah. Because that is, it was the same way, I and I pointed out last year in the lead-up to the postseason. When they're blowing the Giants out in the playoff game and that little sky cam gets him and he does that mean mug like shaking his head yes. And then in the Super Bowl when they're going to get a challenge gone their way and he's kind of histrionically showing for like pointing one way and Jalen Hurts has to stop him like, hey, man, what are you doing? He felt to me like a bit of a front runner. Yeah. Like a guy that is really good when things are going good. And to in his defense, it was like, well, we don't know how he's going to respond when things are going poorly because they've never gone poorly. Well, now they are, and it's going disastrously. So I think it's at least hey. a question if Philly loses. Well, you know, it's it, here's another topic. First impressions matter. I, I've used the American Idol example a million times. I don't know anything about music other than I enjoy it. But I can I can listen. I can watch American Idol and say... That's a hack. That's a star. Eh, that's an employable yep. lounge singer. And I know nothing about music. That Dan Campbell has sort of a blue-collar work ethos and a likability where the average fan who's busting his ass for a living is going to love him. He's really a guy a fan would like to have a beer with. Dan's opening press conference was embarrassing. Like, just like novice. Like, uh, eat your kneecaps yeah. is bad. And he was 419 and one to start. And then, you know, things start working out. He gets, I've said this before, the star of that franchise is not golf or Dan Campbell or Ben Johnson. It's the front office. They've had like back to back to back incredible drafts, like sure. great drafts. And so then he gets a bunch of good players and they start winning a wonky division where Aaron Rodgers leaves, the Bears are a tire fire, and Kirk Cousins is, you know, sort of okay. And they win. And they deserve credit for it. But now you're watching Dan Campbell and you're going, he's a little over his skis. He's a bit of a meathead. Sirianni had the worst press conference I've ever seen. Could not speak. Acknowledged it. Very turbulent, like Dan Campbell early. Steichen comes in, elevates the offense. He leaves. They stink. And in both instances, I ripped both. I said, you know, Dan came off as sort of a very limited meet him. Yeah. And we've seen examples that he's sort of an, he's the overly a aggressive guy. A little too guy. emotional. Emotional. Yeah. Listen, he's emotional. He's, uh, like a, fan. The, he's a fan. Yeah. And, and it's Sirianni that, yeah. looks completely over his head. Is that first impressions do matter. You ever watch Sean McVay's first press conference? Obama wasn't that slick. <laughs> I mean, it was like it was on a prompter. I was like, chest. Uh, face forward, looking at the camera. I mean, I literally thought, oh my God, I'd run through a Who is this like 19 year old? He was like 32. Yeah. I was he just was like, super, yeah. holy hell. First impressions matter. 
McVeigh's first press conference knocks your sock off. And that I think that if you go back to Sirianni and Dan Campbell, there are qualities about both that are endearing. But man, if you can't get the opening presser right, I've, I've it, said, said this It's before. a real thing. It, it's a, nobody wants to say this, but it does matter. We elect people based on, are they telegenic? Are they good at the podium? If you can't get through four and a half to eight minutes on a podium, by the way, you've flown in, you've thought about it. You, you know there's going to be tough questions. You're preparing for it. Well, so that, so that last part I think is the most interesting because I wonder if some of these guys would be better if they weren't, for, if they didn't know it was that day, if it was off the cuff. Like Sirianni's thing to me, Campbell was a different story. Campbell was, this guy's a former player. I think players are going to, I looked at that press conference and said, I totally get why motivationally he's going to be excellent, why players might relate to him. And that very moment I said, and I listen, I get it. I'm a nerd. I didn't play. I understand. But in that moment, I was like, my guess is he's not going to be great at the situational football stuff. Now, he actually has been shockingly good at, he does follow the quote analytics, but it's just really what he's doing is he just wants to go for it every time. And the analytics support going for it. <laughs> but like, and so like, I think it's almost by accident that he's following it because it's like super aggressive, go, go, go. But you saw the cartoonish end result of that yeah. when he went for that two-point conversion from the seven-yard line, which is one of the he worst decisions. It, exactly. He was an angry fan that was like, this is bullshit. I got screwed. I'm going to show you. So that's different. Sirianni's thing was he seemed nervous. Like, I bet Sirianni, if he had not been told there was a press conference coming, I think he was hurt by the fact he had thought about it all night. But that's a different type of concern. That means when things get tight, are you going to get tight? When that means, you know what I mean? When the pressure yeah. gets up, are you going to respond or not? So that was a different level of concern. So the reason I brought the whole Sirianni thing up was I have a different kind of galaxy brain question for you, which is this. If they lose to Tampa and they fire him, isn't that the perfect spot for Belichick? Yeah. You have all that talent on defense. The offensive skill position guys are there. And they're already there. And your weakness is drafting. Howie Roseman's an expert at it. Exactly right. And it's like, hey, you've got no, what, however limited Jalen Hurts might be, even if last year was an aberration, the best quarterback he will have had in a half decade. He will look at Jalen Hurts like he is Patrick Mahomes 2.0 when he's been dealing with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi and the last you know legs of Cam Newton. The offense is in place. The defense has all this blue chip talent up front, and Belichick's been getting the most out of secondary players and linebackers for 20 years. This Patriots defense doesn't have stars on it, and they're awesome. Like, the stars are hurt, Judon and Gonzalez. And that is why, if I were Philly and I lose to Tampa, I wouldn't fire Sirianni to fire Sirianni. But I sure as shit would consider it if I got on good, you know, good intel. Bill Belichick, he wants to stay in the Northeast. Yeah. He wants to go with the blue chip. People are like, ah, maybe Atlanta. I'm like, Bill Belichick doesn't want to coach the Falcons, be in the set, like, stay in a cold weather, 
Northeastern city with a blue chip franchise, chance to break Shula's record, chance to get to the Super Bowl. That to me is a hand in glove fit that I would strongly consider if I were all parties. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I had a very good gambling year, so I was 0-9-1 to start. From that point forward, 14 of 16 weeks, I was 500 or better. I was 64%. 63. That's a really good year. So I had a very, That's unbelievable. Yeah, I had a That's gr- unbelievable. I had a great, great blazing fight. I had a guy come up to me yesterday in the grocery store. He's like, man, you were cooking this year. Let me buy you blankety blank. And I'm like, yeah. I'm good. This is my job. Don't yeah. worry about it. And he was like, he goes, Colin, I've been following you for a lot of years. He goes, man, it, he goes, you had a year about 10 years ago like this, which I remember. And I said, yeah. Well, the year 10 years ago or whenever it was right before you came to Fox Sports, that was a year you might have been on the record the best handicapper in the country. Yeah. That was a year where the Blazing Five would change lines a bit. That was that was a historic run. And then I didn't know. I You know what's funny? And this is now I'm going to sound like a bitter man. Uh this is, you know, the modern media. 
there was a lot of public, you know, publicity about your first two weeks. Not nearly as a much lot. about the following 16. A lot. The coward <laughs> hasn't hit a bat in two weeks. Just getting roasted. Well, um, by the way, I, meanwhile, just went two and three every fucking week. I just, I had my worst year in forever. Just and it was just the same thing. Two and three, three and two every week. Well, we by the way, ahead. Harbaugh had a losing record in COVID. I had a shit covid year my takeaway was folks sunday morning they'd be like oh yeah these eight starters don't play it's like that doesn't count you gotta but you know what's funny when the media and i don't care because i i literally am not on my phone like just not i've once elon musk took it over i gave him about two months it's a mess i'm just not on it i used it for promotion for my podcast for the volume i'm not on it but it is interesting that the blogosphere which claims shows like our, our clickbait over the moon on my own oh, nine and one start, buddy. nothing in 16 weeks of no. red hot. Nothing. Yeah. No, the, but go ahead. Sorry. I inter- so, no, Well, of course. But I mean, you want to hear, you want to hear my theory this year? Yeah. So what I did every weekend, um, and it didn't always work. Like this weekend, I said, Justin Fields is not as good as Jordan Love, but Justin Fields with that atrocious Green Bay defense will look better than Love against a good defense. It didn't happen. That's what I thought too. Yep. yep. But what I really started to do by week three, I said, you're overthinking the room. When you can get the best quarterback in value, just bet him. And I started just betting four to my five picks. I bet a lot of Kyler Murray. It's like, I bet some Tyrod Taylor. I'm like, Tyrod Taylor against Philadelphia's defense? He's going to move the ball. He's averaging 360 yards against better defenses. And I really started coming down to almost like I picked divisions. Who will be the better quarterbacks in these games? And it's amazing how simple, like, for instance, Texans Colts this weekend, wise guys love the Colts. And I'm like, folks, it's a win you're in game. CJ Stroud's better. I would take CJ Stroud. I talked myself out of it because J Mac and Millman are like, no. But in the end, I watched it and I went, first play of the game, last drive. It was won yeah. by CJ Stroud. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, last, last thing. I don't know what. The and I might have said this to you on TV today. I don't remember. I get I so I apologize if I'm in reruns. I said it to someone today. Um, I don't know who's going. What the division? No, I didn't say this to you. What the division around matchups are going to be? I know what the best ones would be. the The ideal outcomes are the Rams beating the Lions because then you get the Rams playing the Niners, and that's a real scare for the Niners. Yeah. That is a real legitimate scare. Yep. And I love C.J. Stroud. I love that story. If we assume the Bills and Chiefs are going to win, which I think they both will, and that is a great round two. Chiefs having to go to Buffalo for the first time. Everyone, I am, as America's most noteworthy, you know, Buffalo antagonist, I'm rooting for the Bills. I want to see Chiefs Bills in Buffalo. Let's get Mahomes Allen. So let's assume that's it. As much as I like C.J. Stroud, I'm rooting for the Browns because Browns-Ravens is another one. That is a shitty first game for Baltimore. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute. We got to play the only quarterback in the conference with deep playoff experience other than Mahomes in a first game in a divisional matchup with that defense and they're hot coming off a win. And then I don't really care who wins Eagles-Bucks because I think either team's drawing dead. But it's probably better if the Eagles win, you get Cowboys-Eagles. But Niners-Rams, Chiefs-Bills, Browns-Ravens would be 
an unbelievable divisional round weekend as far as where you could make a credible case for any of those six teams in those matchups. And you could make a credible case for any of those teams making the Super Bowl. Like, I think the Rams can make the Super Bowl. I'm not picking them to make the Super Bowl, but I think that it is, they've won seven of eight, and the one loss is to Baltimore in overtime. I mean, that's, with, with Sean McVay and Matt Stafford, like, that's a real thing. And Baltimore's defense, I mean, sorry, Cleveland's defense, Baltimore, I don't know. I'm super excited. So that's what I'm hoping happens. I don't know if it's what will happen. That's what I'm hoping. Happens. So um, it's interesting. I mentioned you at the end of the show today. I said, Nick Wright, two weeks in a row, has said, you're going to bet the Rams over the Lions. And I'm like, no, contraire, Monfrey, that's not going to happen. And today, <laughs> I got my notepad out. Coach, quarterback, defense, Laporta's out. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. You're going to take the Rams. You're going to take the Rams, certainly plus the points. I mean, Certainly with the points. Time out. Dan Campbell McVay, that's a two and a half to three point advantage. Yeah. Rams. Stafford, Stafford golf. golf, two and a half to three points. You have to take the points with the Rams. You have to take the points. You have to take the points with the Rams. I I think the have to do is points with the Rams. I think that when the Chiefs were, the, did you see what the Chiefs line opened at? Two and a half. Available? One and a half. And it was available for 90 seconds. <laughs> and, and you know what I mean? Now four is a different story. Because, you know what I mean? Well, I think the the Dolphins might fold in the cold. The Chiefs haven't blown anybody out in forever. You know what I mean? Like, I that's that's not an obvious one. I think the next best bet is Tampa getting points at home against so the, an Eagles the, team that's falling apart. I don't apart. think it's – I think the Kansas City – listen, you're going to play poker when you're retired. I'm going to do a podcast a week with a volume and bet football. And so – when you bet football professionally, I wouldn't be on the air. I would wait for the lines to come out and pounce on him. I would live in a state where I yeah. can gamble and I would just pounce. So, you know, like there there are the best lines of the week are always Sunday night, Monday. Those are the best lines always. And the sharps jump on them. And I've always said if I hit 63% from weeks, you know, three to the end of the year, I'd hit 64 to 65% if I could bet them, if I did blazing five on Monday, I would get, sure, it wouldn't be. Uh, dramatically different, but you would get like six to seven games a year where you just get a team you liked. Cause I lost several games. I pushed on like four games that the line yep. just was. And I would say, I say on the air Friday, this is not the best of the line, but I still like them. Yeah. But I, I will say is that these games are tough bets. I, I don't love any of them. I tend to think Philadelphia. I mean, I watched Baker last week. They were, they were bad. They, I mean, that's true. And he's were, hurt. I mean, they scored I mean, nine points. If you go look at this run, they got two wins over Carolina. Like that, that division. No, no, no. That's awful. true. That's true. So my se so then, if you take that out, the the next one that I think is, I think Kansas like, City hosting a warm weather team that is depleted is a. I would go up to four and a half. I think Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, City, yeah, and Kansas City. Kansas City healthy, which they are. Kansas City rested. At, like it's. It's one thing for this Chiefs team to not be the team that it was projected to be before the season, which is the Super Bowl favorite. It's another thing for them to fully healthy lose a home wild card game. You know what I mean? Like the the reason the line concerns me is even if I'm even if I'm right that Kansas City controls the game, once you lay four, 
you're susceptible to being up 10 and that shitty backdoor cover at the end, you know what I mean? At the yeah. end that just guts you. Um, I think the Cowboys are going to score 35 points on Green Bay. I do too. I just The think question is, can Green Bay score it, 30? That game feels like 33, 34 to 26. That's what it feels like. Right, right. That The line is exactly right. That's the thing. Of, listen, the NFL in general, lines are never wrong. NFL playoffs, it's never like, oh my God, look at this bet. Like, no, I mean, that never is there. The only one is, I think the Rams are better than Detroit. I just flatly believe the Rams are better than Detroit. Well, they certainly have components. Without Laporta, it, yeah. it, that's, Laporta is the rare tight end. I mean, Travis Kelsey has 16 touchdowns and 14 playoff games. It matters. He He's better in the he, playoffs. He also, Colin, is the NFL's all-time leader in playoff yards per game. Not amongst tight ends. Amongst everyone. Amongst <laughs> receivers with at least 10 games. He's the all-time leader in playoff yards per game. So, yeah, I mean, and Kelsey, listen, Kelsey hasn't been right all year. But I also think if you look at his snap count, if you look at things, the Chiefs have been despite the fact that they've needed these games, they've blown some games, they have been, to my eye, a team that has been holding certain things. They have not broken the glass. They have. They clearly have not yet felt we are in full emergency because Kelsey hadn't played 90% of the snaps in any games. You are o- you've only seen Mahomes run a lot, and you saw it for the first time in the uh, Bengals game, which was to lock up the division and be able to rest in Week 18, I still think Kansas City has a gear, just like you saw Buffalo here this last few months. All of a sudden, Josh Allen is running all the time. And you know why? Because they have to win. And it's like that is always their most dangerous play. Right. But they they don't do it because it's it's dangerous for them. They can get the guy hurt no matter how big he is. Um, I think Kansas... I'm always leery of teams that I think might have an extra gear. I think Kansas City might have an extra gear, and I do. The the, the Kansas City stat that jumps out to me are two of them. One is they are this, this year, they have one loss when they either tie, if they don't lose the turnover battle. And that one loss was the first game of the year. And their turnover, by the way, was a pick six the other way off a bobbled pass. Everybody talks about all these issues they have. The the sneaky problem for Kansas City is top five most turnovers, bottom five fewest forced turnovers. Right. They have the third worst plus minus in football. Every other team in that bottom 10 is some shit team that is drafting <laughs> early. Like you can't overcome that typically the Chiefs have. So maybe that kills them. You know what I mean? Maybe in the playoffs, they keep turning the ball over. That kills them. But if they don't, they don't lose. And do I trust them a little bit more come the playoffs? I do. And so I think Kansas City's super dangerous. And I think the Rams are super dangerous. And if the Rams, man, if if, if the Rams beat San Francisco... That then means Dallas doesn't have to leave home the whole playoffs. Yeah. And so, like, they are sneaky. I thought one of the most important moments of the weekend was San Francisco or the Rams beating San Francisco. Yeah. Because that made the Rams the 16 instead of the 7. Yeah. Because I think the Rams could have gone to Dallas and 
cause some real problems for the yeah. same reason they can go to Detroit and cause problems. So yeah, I don't know. I we'll mean, see. A very sneaky MVP is Matt Stafford. Not going to win it. He has been on fire for about nine weeks. And I mean, arm 100%. angles. I mean, he has been. It's amazing. One of the reasons the NFL is so great, a baseball draft or an NBA draft, you have to be patient. Puka Nakua has changed the receiving core. They got a left tackle who's great. Two defensive linemen who have been excellent as rookies. It's like they got like four players who are impactful in the draft and Stafford's healthy. And it's like, yeah, their roster's suddenly really interesting. The Rams draft this year is the Chiefs draft last year. It's like, oh, you got four guys that are helping you right now. Yes. You know what I mean? Like if four guys that are right now making a difference, not like, oh, they're going to be good. It's like, yeah. no, they are good right now. When that happens, it changes the math on your team. It yep. significantly changes the math on your team. Right, Sorry, Nick, I took right? too long here. No, 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 no. An hour, twice was good. Listen, you sit in the snow. I got 62 degrees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A shrimp salad. <laughs> a shrimp salad. Oh my goodness. Uh tell your wonderful wife I say hello. Uh and I will I hope to see you in Los Angeles again soon. I the if um I got to find a way because I still believe the Chiefs are going to go to the Super Bowl. I got to find a way to go to the Super Bowl when the Chiefs are there going for back to back. And if that happens, maybe I can do my show from Los Angeles and I'll get to see you. <laughs> right. But it's always great to talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. I'd write that in pencil, not pen. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. See ya. The volume. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.